Welcome back to the Tape Store, everyone. This is Toby. And this is Brooke. And this is Jeff. We were made in the 80s. And played in the 90s. And we are back for part two of Willow. Now, this has been just a tremendous amount of fun watching this film and really, you know, really being able to extend this over two weeks has been a blast. Yeah. Because this is just such a great movie. I don't think we would have been ready to leave it after just one episode. No. we all, And we, we've already talked about when we did Labyrinth. We mm-hmm. did an ep, you know, of course. And if you haven't seen our Labyrinth episode, please go check out our Labyrinth episode. Because this is right, this is kind of right in the same lane, just that those 80s fantasy movies. Right. And we've realized even since that we want to go back to the Labyrinth. Seriously. And Jeff is going to come along with us, right? Yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. In fact, you're wearing a Labyrinth t-shirt now, right? I am. Yeah. <laughs> and wh- where was it that you got that again? I got it uh, at a loot, uh, loot Crate. Did you yeah. order that? or? It's a Loot Crate We box, had a subscription. Right? Right. It's, it was just called, I think, Loot Crate. And we'd get like just a random, is random. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by Loot Crate. No, it's not. I <laughs> know. Um, that was no. great. <laughs> oh, wow. You know... I mean, if you're listening, you know. <laughs> um, th- there's two things. There's loot crates, but there's also Nick boxes, which is from Nickelodeon. Right. Oh, okay. Cool. Which are brilliant. It's it's all like themed, mm-hmm. you know, based on Nickelodeon shows and Nickelodeon memorabilia and things like that. And and finding '90s stuff, they ha- they've thrown some Are You Afraid of the Dark in there. Yeah, I think is like Nick that. box. Is that like? a part of Loot Crate, or is that just they, they kind of have the same idea and are doing something else? I, I, I think it's, it, been, it's been a while since I had it. This, I got this shit like four years ago or something. That's yeah. I, you know, I, was, I had a whole year subscription. And, oh, um, cool. Yeah. I think and it, I, yeah, I think... I think it might be two separate things. Yeah, but, I think you're right. Because I did Loot Crate, but I did a Harry Potter theme. Yeah, those I are think cool. You can, you can set it up to be like just Harry Potter or just Marvel yes. or whatever you want. Yeah, but we I just found, I wanted it yeah. to be random because I wanted to be surprised every month. Right. Yeah. And I, found, I was so happy when I got this. <laughs> oh, that, that's a jackpot! Like that's we'll have yeah. to like show that as we call picture. as as we call it uh, and as you refer to. I actually stole it from Jeff. He calls it a Grail. Yes. Usually, in reference to action figures, mm-hmm. Jeff will be like, "Oh, that's a Grail." And I'm like, oh, that's good. So that's definitely a Grail Labyrinth t-shirt. Are you kidding me? But yeah, uh, I, was, I found a, I was freaking out. Yeah, I found a Labyrinth. Excuse me, not a Labyrinth. I found a Loot Crate, like for five dollars at Walmart. Yeah, that was crazy. And it had Avengers stuff in it. it had some and cool I feel like that shouldn't it. have even been there. Like, no, I don't get it. It had some cool stuff though. Yeah, and I found some Loot Crate stuff just at thrift stores. I don't know who. And why they get rid of it? Probably just we'll take it. Not into it. We are here for it. I know. So yeah, but loot crate. If, you, if you're listening, feel free to sponsor this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you have and fans. To all the people out there who have cool stuff, if you want to, you know, if you want to take it to a thrift store, we are here for it. Well, yeah, we'll find it. We will find it. We will find you. So Willow. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're gonna give. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, we're gonna give a, a quick like ten cent recap of what we talked about the ten cent version. Right. Because if you want to know the full version, please listen to last week's episode. Uh, it was a great episode on Willow, and we, we took the story from the beginning up to a certain point. And also, of course, watch Willow. It's on mm. Disney+. Plus. Yes, do it. Very excited to, to, to realize that we didn't have to you know rummage through our DVDs, which we do have it. But then you have to like, you know, 
It's just so much easier. It's just so much easier to start <laughs> streaming it. Then you got because you got to change the TV source over to like component or whatever, and then yes. you got to put your DVD in. And we <laughs> this still... episode of the Tape Store is brought to you by oh. Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, I know, right. right, man? Come on, we're giving these opportunities for people. Yes. No, that's fine. So just just to give a quick recap, so Willow is centered around. Uh, well, of course, Willow takes place in a fantasy world called Anduin. So it's essentially. That's what they call the world that Willow is based from, Anduin. It's not called Earth. Very much kind of like Lord of the Rings, there's Middle Earth. Right. <clears throat> and there's two, uh, two generally, in general, there's two groups of people. There's Nelwins, which are like dwarves, these little dwarven people. And there's Daikini, which are men and women. Right. Don't seem to have a great relationship with each other. Um, you know, Daikini, they call, they refer to Nelwins as pecs. And, you know, they're like, ah, whatever, get out of the way, peck. You know. But the story is centered around this child, Elora Dannon, who has this great destiny to destroy an evil queen that's obviously raining terror upon Anduin named Bavmorta. We begin the story with the baby being born, being whisked, whisked away to safety. Because there are people that want Bavmorta destroyed. She's causing a lot of death and destruction. Right. And circumstances lead the child to be discovered by the family of the Nelwyn named Willow, which is the, 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 the character that the movie is titled after. Right. The titular character, as you would say. Willow begins his journey, obviously, with the baby, and, and the first mission really is just get the baby into the Daikini territory and give it to a Daikini. Right, since this is obviously not ours. But this baby is more important than just like, just take it to the Daikinis and give it to her. Willow is meant to be a part of this, and this is where we also meet other characters. We meet a Daikini named Mad Mardigan, who is a haphazard, disgraced knight, as we talked about yes. last week, with a mysterious past. Probably with some good stuff and obviously some more recently not so great stuff. They find him hanging from a cage. Played by Val Kilmer. And Willow, by the way, is played by uh, Warwick Davis. Yes. Cast is great. <clears throat> so Willow decides to give the baby to Mad Mardigan, thinking his, his mission is complete. Well, Mad Mardigan has the baby like a half hour. <laughs> because Matt Mardigan has a great character arc that we're going to talk about right. in this episode. But it, it is it is he's not even begun that yet. No. So... These two brownies, which, again, is another race of beings in Anduin, these little brownies, they <laughs> take the baby. Willow sees th that they've stolen this baby right. based on the words by of one of the brownies, which is, I stole a baby! Yeah, <laughs> as it flies over. These two brownies played by uh, Tim Overton and Kevin Pollack. Rule and Frangine. <laughs> well, Willow chases the... Brownies to the Fairy Queen. Find out that the brownies are actually good. They serve right. the Fairy Queen. And the Fairy Queen's like, no, I did this because, Willow, you have to stick with this baby much further than just giving it to a Daikini. This is about, you have to give this baby to a sorceress named Finn Rizel, who lives on this lake. So he's trying to find Finn Rizel. Right, and he's chosen. Like, it's not just like, hey, you yeah. need to do this because you're here. She's like, no, like... You like this is destiny, right? And who so. who chose Willow? Uh, Alora Dannon. Yeah, the baby. The baby. The baby chose Willow, and there's other people that have to play a part in Alora Dannon's destiny. And we find that one of them is Mad Mardigan because on the way after the Fairy Queen sends Willow off on really kind of the second leg of the mission, like 
hey, this isn't just like giving this to Daikini. You have to you have to take this to a particular person, right? Because Bab Morta must be destroyed or Anduin's screwed. Mm-hmm. So Willow runs into Mad Mardigan again, who has found himself in a very precarious situation. <laughs> you know, he had he was uh, again having a dalliance with a with a married woman, and again, remember. It, it, yeah, if you've seen the movie, or if you've, especially if you listened last week, hot on the heels of Willow and the baby, uh, Elora Dannon, is Bavmorta's army. Because Bavmorta is, is looking for this baby, and her army is being led by General Kale and Sorsha, her daughter. And they are discovered at this tavern because he's trying to, or like this village or something, like a tavern. Yeah, it was, it was a tavern. And he was trying to get fresh milk there. I mean, good luck. Finding fresh milk. Right. And one thing that I, I yeah. noticed right about, right off the bat about about this is that poor um, Willow, he's tasked to bring this to Daikini, particular Daikini, but it's clear that the Daikinis won't give him the time of day and don't think he amounts to anything. So his yeah, task like is infinitely harder. Like the and lady we, who like get out of here, pack, and like throws like lettuce <laughs> yeah. at him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he's not getting any help. No. And on top of that, he discovers that Mad Mardigan. <laughs> Mad Morgan is apparently not upset at all about losing the baby. No, he's like, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> he's like, okay, I lost the kid, but I'm out. Yeah. So I think that's really his main motivation is he's out of the cage. He finds this woman at a tavern. And when they're all discovered, you know, Willow, of course, and I loved how Willow was just, he, at this point, he's acting so parental over the child. He's like, I just cannot believe you, Mad Mardigan. He's I like, know, what cute. are you doing? This is terrible. Mad Mardigan is <laughs> dressed as a woman because he's trying to sneak out of this place. So he goes undiscovered by this woman's husband, Who's who turns brute. out to be this brutish, burly guy named Lug. And it's Lug that actually, we should credit Lug with being a hero in this story. I know. It's the most <laughs> quotable line of the entire movie. Yes. Not a woman. And, of course, uh, Lug gets there, obviously, attempts to hit on Mad Mardigan slash Hilda. And I have watched this scene again, you know, <laughs> going back. And Jeff had mentioned it, this poor guy that's a member of Sorsha's army. Because, you know, Sorsha's army converges on this tavern because they're checking every Daikini place for this baby. Yeah, every mother with a child. And they have hit jackpot because they have found Allura Dannon. And right now she's being kind of guarded by Mad Mardigan, who's holding her. Oh, they don't know it's her yet. No, but Mad Mardigan is really using Lord Dannon as a ruse. Totally. He's it's pulling like a Billy Zane yeah. from Titanic. And we're seeing some great, great moments with Mad Mardigan as this woman. Like, <laughs> one of our favorite lines was when uh, Lug says, do you want to breed? What does she say? Tempting, but no. And this is Val Kilmer. Tempting. And that's a gif, apparently. Like, I searched yeah. for Willow gifs to, like, send to Toby text messages. And I was like, I love that that's one of them. Tempting, but no. And Matt Mardigan cannot hold it together because when he sees Sorsha, he's totally, like, into her. Oh, yeah. As this woman. Right. Which, to- you know, if that wasn't enough. And Sorsha's smart. She's right. really, really sharp. So she discovers the whole ruse <laughs> and realizes that and-, and immediately assumes that's the baby. Yeah. She sees the mark. I believe she sees the mark, doesn't she, Jeff? Or, um, or does she, she ever she have does time? check it eventually. She does I, yeah, eventually check I, it. I, I, I think in the end it was just simply something's up because you're dressed as a you're a man dressed as a woman holding the baby. Yeah, but, she knew. I think it, it's not until they capture them later and right, they're on okay. the way, you know, and they're traveling in the snow, she finally she finally checks it. I think is when that So you know, but when Lug 
and I know that we're talking about this again, and you might think they're talking about this again. Yes, we are talking about Not a Woman again. It deserves a second review yes. because, I, I again, I watched this scene again, and when Lug sees that Hilda is actually Matt Mardigan, a man, right? he is just devastated and enraged, and he throws a punch that just obliterates. Like that man should be dead. That man should be dead. One of Sorsha's soldiers, I think Matt Mardigan ducks, and, and he clobbers one of Sorsha's troops and ends up really kind of, like you said, Jeff, just manhandling her squadron, that, that her squad yeah. of folks <laughs> that she guys. brought in there. I don't know. They were just... I, and that yeah, led I mean, us he's to like the, choking yeah. out somebody at some point. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same guy. That poor guy. Like, <laughs> yeah, he took all of his frustrations on this dude. Just you know, Nakamar soldier number eight that <laughs> Sorsha had brought with her. He has nothing to do with this ruse that Mad Mardigan had created. But still, no. Mad Mardigan gets out. It was a great shining moment for Mad Mardigan and for Val Kilmer as an actor. And it's the first time we see him in. Um I don't want to say combat because it wasn't exactly combat, but the first time we see him in action. I yeah, guess. well, th- there is a chase, of course. You know, they they they, they steal a carriage, uh, Matt Mardigan and, and Willow with the baby, and, and and we do see Matt Mardigan, you know, defeat a few of the troops. And as you said, we see him in action. He's he's because he ca- did, cl- you know, claim that he was the best swordsman on earth previously. Yeah, and we will see that obviously. So but- we got to see a little bit of that. But when it's all said and done, they do successfully escape from Sorsha and her men. And Matt Mardigan kind of is once again right back to, hey, look, okay, it was good to see you again, Willow. Take care. And remember, we we, we ended with Allura Dannon crying and Willow realizing, hey, um, I I we need to kind of go with you, I feel like. The baby's crying. Something's up with that. And, of course, we know Matt Mardigan is a part of the story. Very important. Right. <clears throat> and this is where we begin our second half of... Part two. Yeah, this is where we begin part two, the journey to the lake, because they've got to go to this lake to find, again, Finn Rizel. A lot of crazy crap has happened, not a woman and all that, but that shouldn't deter <laughs> us from the real mission. We have to find Finn Rizel, the sorceress, who is the key to helping Elora Dannon defeat Queen Babmorda. So Finn Rizel is at this location. She's holed up at this lake, we're not really sure what to expect. I mean, when I hear sorceress, I'm expecting she's going to be this formidable, you know, female magician. Sorceress. Yeah, obviously she's good, but you right. know, that could look like anything. So, because we've already seen Bathmorda, so I'm yeah. thinking, okay, we're going to see maybe a good version of that. Mm-hmm. So they are journeying to the lake to find her. Matt Mardigan reluctantly decides to guide Willow to the lake. He's like, you know. Because, again, remember, Allura Dannon's crying because Matt Mardigan is leaving off on his own. And she's crying because, again, and Willow determines, wait a minute, Matt Mardigan can't leave. Well, but also, Matt Mardigan realizes they're going the same way he's going. That is true, So yes. he's kind of like, ah, oh, dang it. Yeah. And this is the first step to seeing that Matt Mardigan is more than just some jerk or just yeah. some guy that's out for himself. He agrees to take Willow as far as the lake. Again, they're being guided also by the brownies, which is Rule and Frangine. Remember, they're still there. Very I mean, important. they're a little haphazard, but they're helpful. And this is the <laughs> this is where they get an argument. Remember, Rule is drunk from drinking all that beer in the tavern. That's right. And they're trying to figure out which way to go. And 
What was it, Jeff? You were saying you had a story behind that whole quote between them about <laughs> I, I oh, am the leader. Oh, right. Well, they, because yeah. Rule and Frangine fight over who the leader is right. uh, between them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, so, okay. So, over the years, when I was managing movie theaters, you know, just occasionally, whenever, like, I had the opportunity or whatever, it would just, it, this, this line from the movie just stuck with me. And I would be like, you know, do as I say. I am the leader. You know, because, like... <laughs> <laughs> and, and my boys probably thought I was like, what's wrong with this guy? Like, they, no, no one has ever gotten that reference. Ever. No one ever got it ever? Never. They, oh, probably, they were probably just like, this guy's weird. <laughs> <laughs> more okay, people cool. should get voices. those. More people should get references to a movie like Willow I mean, and Labyrinth and you, these kinds of movies. Think, you would think. You would think. You would think. I don't know how Princess Bride, like, made it out over like that's something a, like Labyrinth. You know, that's interesting. Yeah, because I think that they're all just as good. I don't know. Maybe, I, I maybe Princess, Princess Bride's more cut and dried, like easy to digest. Who I knows? Guess. It's got a love story. So in the end, Matt Mardigan agrees to take Willow as far as the lake. And Rule and Frangine, of course, have a small argument about who the leader is and which way to go. And they go. They set off. There's a scene after this where they're camping for the night. Willow is, of course, she, Willow is the, the main caretaker of Allure Dannon. And as, the, as they're camping, Matt Mardigan makes the comment that the baby's cute, quote, when it's quiet, unquote. Hmm. Willow retorts that she's a princess. And Matt Mardigan sarcastically quips to Willow, and you're a great sorcerer. <laughs> and this is important because we see three people here who aren't what they seem. We mm-hmm. have Alora Dannon, who is this princess. I mean, she's destined to become an empress, is what they said. Mm-hmm. And she's just a little baby. Willow looks nothing like a formidable sorcerer, but he's already been told he has great potential. Yep. And we have Mad Mardigan. Unbeknownst to him... He has a great destiny. He well. has a great, yes... So at this time, none of them are really walking in their true destiny yet. And again, there's a that's one of the powerful messages in Willow. I right. think is that the 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 most important people are not what you would think. I right. guess from the outset, they're not what they seem, and they don't have confidence in themselves right now, and they don't have confidence in each other. And the only one that really seems to understand who's who is a baby, right? And that in itself is kind of like what's well, a baby? Yep. But everything's going to come together. But it's, I think that's a really beautiful message that nothing is as it seems. Right. So, yeah, I just wanted to share that. So the journey continues, and we start to see something very important, Mad Mardigan beginning to bond with Elora. There's a scene where they're like kind of at a waterfall, I think, and that was where you and uh, me were talking, Jeff, about the Black Root. Um, there's a scene, Mad Mardigan's actually holding her, and this is the first time we see Mad Mardigan really kind of bond with Allure Dannon. Yeah. And Blackroot, I just thought of like licorice or something, you know? It's something that he was choosing, he was chewing on it. Yeah. And he was giving her some of it. And Willow was upset, right? Yes. He's like, what are you doing? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Frantic Willow. (laughs) Puts hair in your chest, then it just sticks or whatever he called her. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he says they're just sticks. Willow thinks they're sticks. But what Willow's not realizing that we, I think, should be realizing is that Matt Mardigan is starting to care for the baby and is bonding with the baby. Yeah, because he's doing he's doing I, what I told Toby is that he's doing like a typical dad thing, like what his parent did with him. He's now doing with this baby. This is not right. even his kid, but he's have like 
all this fatherly stuff is starting to come out. Is that where he starts calling her Sticks? Is that where he got he it? Called, yeah, he gives her a nickname, Sticks. Yep, that's right. I don't know how I missed it <laughs> until just this moment, but I get it now. But those two scenes, I think when they're camping and then the the, the scene at the waterfall, because I believe there's a waterfall there. Uh, yes, sure. It is important for our heroes and especially for also for Matt Mardigan. So they arrive at the lake where we find that Matt Mardigan truly has affection for Willow and for Alora because he's sad to see them go. He's like, all right, we're here. Uh, okay. You know, he's, <laughs> he's kind of trying to be tough about it. But he ends up leaving. Mm-hmm. So he, he does what he says he was going to do. He, he gets Willow as far as the lake. And Willow decides to leave Alora with Rule and Frangine so he can go and look for Finn Rizel on his own who's supposed to be on this island in the middle of the lake. So when they get to the lake, we see this little island. So he's going to travel to it. And Jeff, this is where you said that there was actually a major part of the story that was omitted um, surrounding this whole lake sequence. Yeah, there was a deleted scene where um, Willow encounters this like terrifying looking like demon fish boy <laughs> you can go on youtube and look at it and then it it turns into this like big like i don't know a grouper looking monster fish and it looked terrible and it the boy was too scary so i think it was a very wise decision that they cut it it oh, kind of like didn't no. it didn't add anything to the story i think they were just trying to give willow something to do <laughs> you know for a while <laughs> but it's really crazy you know like because George Lucas, you know, was, you know, I, I, I presume I, ILM did the special effects and stuff for this movie. And, you know, like, I don't know. I, I figured something like that would have would have been executed better. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Know. Well, yeah, especially after seeing things like the Rancor monster and Return of the Jedi. You know, I mean, th- these are things that we had seen them do successfully before. But who knows? Um, now. Is this a scene that we can find, or is it just pictures? Yeah, well, there's. I think. I think you can. You can get like little clips, very, very short little clips of it oh. on YouTube. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's it's around. <laughs> I think but, Demon uh, Fish Boy. I'm like, nope. Yeah, nope. might have been wise. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> and yeah, and the reason why I brought that up is because, of course, it's not in the film. Willow is actually able to without any kind of incident, make it on this island, and he does find Finn Rizel. Yes. He finds her in the form of a possum <laughs> in a tree. Uh, as it turns out, she's been cursed by Bavmorda, and Willow has to use the wand that Sherylindria, the mm-hmm. fairy queen, uh, gave him. And th- th- that is Finn Rizel's wand. And Willow has to use Fenrizel's wand to change Fenrizel back to her true form. And according to Fenrizel, she is a beautiful young woman. Yes. <laughs> but right now, she's a, yeah, according she's a, to her, she is. Yeah. Right now, she's a. Yeah, and Mad Mardigan really wanted him to concentrate when he was trying to. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. When he found oh, that yeah, out. Oh, yeah. When he found that piece yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is Willow is not confident in his abilities. Uh, he is att- he he att- he makes an attempt to to change Fenrizel, and they're interrupted by Sorcia's troops who had called up with Matt Mardigan ah. and located them. Now, Matt Mardigan says, basically, I'm sorry, Willow. Now, you kind of get the the uh, immediate uh, impression that Matt Mardigan ratted Willow out, but that's actually not, not, that's actually not what happened because he says, I'm sorry, Willow, and then one of the 
Knockmore Troop says, see, I told you we'd find him without your help. So Matt Mardigan actually didn't. Yeah, he must have been resisting that. He's displaying that some point. honor. Yeah, he didn't sell Willow out. They just found him. It's very unfortunate. So they take Willow, they take Matt Mardigan, and the baby, Elora Dannon, back to Knockmore. But they miss one very important, or let's say two very important details. What do they, or who do they leave behind? The yeah, the brownie. Sorry, I was like, yeah. Uh, they no. they leave uh, Rule and Frangine. They just miss them. Again, they're so small. I mean, they're a few inches tall, so that's fair. <laughs> and, and this ends up being a a, 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 a fatal uh, oversight for yes. Nockmar. That they, they miss Rule and Frangine. Again, nothing no, nothing is what it seems in Willow and 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 Rule and Frangine as as haphazard and as mischievous as they are, they are part of this mission from their fairy queen. Right. So they're like, "Up, oh, they missed us," you know. Well, and like quick, you know, British lit note. Brownies in like I think it's Scottish folklore, like they'll they'll it's it's kind of it's akin to the story of like the elf the elf that fixes the shoes at night. They have they'll serve like a household and do little chores for them and they'll be loyal to that household forever as long as you like leave out milk and like cookies and things like that for them. But also if you they're 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 moody too and if you piss them off, they'll be like I'm out and they'll leave forever. So that's interesting. That's why so that's, that's why they're kind of so like their emotions are so nuts because that is characteristic of that folk of that, you know, traditional folklore. Yeah. Wow. So it makes sense that they'll be loyal because their loyalty instead of to a household's to the fairy queen. Yes. So they will absolutely do their job. Yeah. So they, they you know, Rule and Frangine do not like go back to the forest to the fairy queen and go, oh, well. No, she know, gave him a job and he's going to, they're going to do it. So again, despite how, you know, really they act like little children, little petulant, you know, yeah. little beings, they stay true to the mission and they follow the Knockmore troops. We see that Matt Mardigan and Willow have been bound, have kind of been shackled and are being pulled behind carriages. The baby is somewhere, I, I guess, on a carriage, you know, yeah. we, but we can hear Allure Dannon crying. Hmm. Matt Mardigan at some point puts Willow on his shoulders, again, showing that they've become friends. I know, that made me a little emotional. And it they was have, so sweet. They've also captured Roselle. Mm-hmm. Yes, they put that's her right. in a cage. And what they don't realize, because I guess they think she's this little possum, but she's teaching Willow magic along yeah. the journey. She's kind of telling him things and, you know, teaching him how to harness, you know, his, you know, and how to focus and, and, and to, and to perform what the, the very important spell that he has to do later in the film. While Sorsha's detachment camps, Willow attempts to turn Roselle <laughs> and fails and makes her a crow. So she was Which, a I possum. Mean, she could be a worse creature. I mean, it's, crows are not terrible. I mean, yes, I, didn't, I wasn't disagreeing. I was no, like, no, I know what you mean. <laughs> yes, she could have, she could have been something worse, but she's a crow. <laughs> During this, Rule and Frangine arrive and help all of them break out of their cages. <laughs> While they escape, Frangine accidentally, this stuff, this dust of the broken heart. It's, I mean, enough. Already. Which we, we ask several times why they brought this along with them. Well, it, it's. They never know. They need to fall in love. Well, some of it ends up getting loose and it exposes Matt Mardigan to it. Well, he hits know. Matt Mardigan in the nose, remember? Like, That's, That's right. right. He's like trying to, like, he's like move out of the way rodents let me do this you know and he's like uh, trying to like, that's right pick yeah, the okay. lock he's like get your hands off that <laughs> you know and like 
bam, like whacks him in. He's like, ow, and it must have hurt. Like, I don't know. This stuff must be really dense. I don't know. What does he say to Matt Martin before he hits him? He says, what? He's like, get your hands on that, you stupid fat dikey. Bam, he hits him in the nose. And like, oh, well, okay. And like, it gets all over him, you know. And then like, um, yeah, I think it's yeah, Matt Morgan is yeah, you know, and well, Matt Morgan is like, this is gonna have consequences. Like he knows already. Yeah, they don't care. Well, because Matt Morgan is now enchanted. All he has to do is see, you know, is like really the first living thing. Right, right. As we saw before. So, but which is, but this couldn't happen at a worse time because their plan is going, you know completely or the best time you could say yeah well maybe yeah yeah, Actually, yeah. because i mean sorsha may not have joined you know well, we'll get to that yeah right we'll get to that <laughs> so uh, they attempt to retrieve allura when mad mardigan under the spell of the dust sees sorsha and is smitten now here's the thing you might think that he falls in love with her because of the dust but the fact of the matter is mad mardigan saw sorsha when she took her helmet off at right. the tavern, there was and already there a, was an already actual something. attraction there, and and, and they already have been exchanging like uh, when when they captured them from the lake, mm-hmm. they've already been kind of What's... having this tension. Well, at one point, my Morgan's staring at it. She goes, "What are you looking at?" He goes, "Your leg. I'd like to break it." I like, love that line. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And but, I, I don't know if this is a good time to mention, and for those out there who don't know, Joanna Wiley and Val Kilmer got married after this movie. They did. Aww. It didn't last, so, sadly. No, it didn't last, but... They did um, meet on, so on the set of Willow, right? So I guess the chemistry was real. I, I yeah. believe so, yeah. Aww, well, that's I sweet. So. I mean, sad that they didn't work out, but that's sweet. So, so he was actually attracted to her. Like, <laughs> like yeah. yeah, like, so, it was real. <laughs> yeah, Matt Mardigan and Willow are trying to get Allure out. But again, Matt Mardigan is under the spell of the dust. He's not trying to screw this up. But, but he is. But he sees Sorsha, and he goes over to her, and as she's sleeping... Again, she was sleeping when he sees her. She's sleeping, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier. Oh, no. He goes over and he's speaking to her as she is sleeping. Well, she wakes up, of course, and threatens Matt Mardigan, who professes love to her. And while she acts angry... You can tell she's affected. It's doing something. Yeah, she's like, what? She's like, you hold know? up, hold up, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. She's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Before well, they... and for me, okay, so when I watch this, I watch it, one, as a woman, and two, you got to think, a little bit about Sorsha. Her mother is the queen bee awful woman. Yes. And as we've seen, we've only seen them interact momentarily, but she's terrible to Sorsha. No, she is. So it Sorsha is likely always trying to please mom. Probably always. And she is probably feels like she'll never measure up. Bereft then, of being yeah, valued. She's not loved. She's not valued. So here comes this guy who like, she kind of hates, he kind of hates her, but that's how all good rom-coms start anyway. And he, you know, says all this stuff. And like, even if she knows it's a, a trick or something, she is t- it like it totally means something to her. I think so. I, I think that's a lot. And I think because I, I, we see it. I mean, obviously, we'll get to it, but we see it come up later. But and I think that you nailed it. I think it's, again, the lack of of love and value shown to her is what I think opened her more up to. Um, She'd probably wait forever for somebody to say that to, to Matt Mardigan. Yeah. And he cute. So, yeah. Before they can do anything, <laughs> they're interrupted by Kale. You know, the, the skull helmet guy. The, the general. Vegetable. Yeah. What goes on now? <laughs> <He just> like, 
That's right. That's right. Well, she, he was, she was about to let him kiss her. That's right. I know. Come she was like, okay, let's see, let's see where this goes, baby. <laughs> what goes on? That's right. He did. He busted and said that. Because he's got Willow. He's like holding Willow. I'm like, what the hell? That's so right. He already, yeah. He's I guess holding and he's probably like, like why hasn't what? Sorsha, like, why isn't she on top of this? Like, right. yeah. This? <laughs> Completely like in disappointed. She's like, in like her PJs and in, and in like her bedtime hairstyle. I know. <laughs> medieval, like, whatever braid, yeah. hair down, whatever. And she had like Merida hair. She did. Yeah. yeah. She was well, killing it. <laughs> before, yeah. So Matt Mardigan finally, in this whole scuffle, obtains a sword. Well, here we go. And here we go. And we see that he truly is good with one. In fact, Willow stops and goes, you are great, you know? Yeah. And Matt Morgan does his little twirl and then ends up slipping on that the ice, That is also another gif if you would like to text it to your friends. Yes, it's a good one. He kind of like <laughs> he kind of like tosses the sword up and then he slips on the ice because they're in like this snowy area, I guess, on the way to Nakmar. They're going up the snowy mountain. He has one final moment with Sorsha and then he is able to escape with Willow and Alora. So, again... That's right. They take Alora. Yeah, they do. They get Alora because the, the you know really Matt Mardigan and and Sorsha and they take Sorsha too, right? No, this not, time no, not this time. Not yet. I'm sorry. Yeah, Willow and Matt Mardigan <laughs> escape. My bad. Yeah, sorry. So really, it's Matt Mardigan and his his th- this budding romance with Sorsha that really kind of creates the the opportunity for them to escape once again. So. Willow and Matt Mardigan escape down a snowy mountain. It, it seems like they travel like 30 miles. Oh, God, that's right. Remember, I mean, <laughs> th- they go pretty much down like the whole mountain. They just went up. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, or maybe they, back down the other side. Who knows? Like, yeah, I know, right? They travel for what seems like miles, right? And then by now, the love dust, I guess, is worn off. But what's funny is when they, I think Matt Mardigan falls off the sled. That's yeah, right, because he does. he does. And Willow travels down. And they crash into this village. Into and, a home. And this is where we see, <laughs> I mean, again, it's a fantasy movie. But when Matt Mardigan was in that massive snowball, I was kind of like, okay. I know. <laughs> like he was in a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> the way they shaped the snowball. Yeah. It was like cylindrical. You could tell mm-hmm. they were like, we need this to work, all right? Just let's just keep this going. So, yeah. But, and by now, the love dust is worn off. And right. he's kind of like, what the heck? Where was it? And... and, and Willow again starts to berate Matt Mardigan for like, what were you doing? We had the baby and you just start. And he's like, what? What? Huh? He like, doesn't I said, know. What? Yeah. yeah. He's very confused. He had a love dust about hangover. His feelings. We really <laughs> exactly. don't have time. I don't love to... her. I hate her. Don't. Yeah, I? That's, that's right. Yeah, I don't. Love don't her. I? <laughs> we don't really have time to celebrate the escape because the Nakmar in hot pursuit. I mean, they, they immediately were onto what had happened, and they were already, you know, they're on like, the way. They're right there. Matt Mardigan while they are hiding in this village, is reunited with Eric, played by Gavin <laughs> which, O'Hurley. Which, by the way, why were they there and are already in someone's basement? <laughs> like, they were already hiding there. Like, I yes. know. Yeah. What, what well, kind of soldier is this I don't. Well, we find out that uh, Eric reveals to... <laughs> Eric reveals to Mad Mardigan that they were defeated. You remember, they were on the way... When, That's when, right, they when were Matt on Mardigan the way to was a in the cage, they were on their way to a battle against Nakmar, yeah. and they lost. So what's remaining of his troops are holed up at this village, and now they have crossed paths with... Destiny intersects yet again. Yes, it's kind of an intersection. So the the great journey of Willow and Elora and Matt Mardigan is now intersected with Eric again. 
and, and, and the rest of his troops that he, he had salvaged from this this defeat at the hands of Nakmar. Yeah, and they'd never been in a good position so far, but they're in a better position a little bit now that they have some yeah. armed friends. Right, and this is where Eric actually reveals to Willow and Sorcia that Mam Mardigan is not someone that needs to be looked to for help. Because yeah, he doesn't have great things to say. He's not just a knight with no master. He had become a thief before he met Willow. In fact, I, I'm assuming that's probably why he was in the cage. So, Do we ever know? We just find out that Matt that Mardigan is? must have stole something, and obviously was, that was why he was sentenced to, mm. I guess, Yeah, I've always cage. been curious about that. So this leads Matt Mardigan, again, to take another step in his arc. And mm. I'm assuming, you know, in, in Anduin, you know, knights have to pledge their service to someone. Right. Like, you know, Eric is a Galadorn knight, right, from, the, from that kingdom. But Mad Mardigan stands up, and he pledges his service to Willow. Mm. And that was really cool. So and sweet. I, and I think that was very humbling because, you know, when you think of most knights, who do they pledge their service to? You know, kings and kingdoms. Yeah. And Mad Mardigan is pledging his service to really, I, I guess, what most Ikenis look at as yeah. a peck. I can't Just, help but see more Lord of the Rings parallels with, like, Aragorn and Frodo. Of course. Here. Yeah. Like, it's... I mean... Aragorn never goes through like a frat boy phase, but um, you right. know he, it, no, it, it reminds me of that. And that's you know? a perfect way to look at Matt Mardigan is like this. Frat he was boy. like a frat boy, and then he got a grown up job, right? Like, <laughs> but it's Dad tr- quit paying for things. But it's true. Matt Mardigan is now again taking another step on the road of honor by pledging his service to someone that again he doesn't that that he initially showed no appreciation of, and, and we've now seen by this point that Willow is incredibly brave. Lots of integrity. Yes. Sorsha discovers them again, but they get the jump on her this time. And now, this is where we get to what you mentioned earlier, yes. Brooke. They hold her hostage I'm in sorry. order to escape the Nakmar once again. I was just ready for this to happen already. Yeah. Eric and his soldiers. Eric witnesses Mad Mardigan again, again pledge his service to Willow. Yeah. So Eric and his soldiers decide to cover their escape. Which, uh, I guess, like... They know they know Mad Mardigan, so if he actually is is doing this, they're like, oh, this what, too, there I, must I, be something to this. Also, I just think Eric is a man of honor, and he's not going to let you know, not Mar, yeah. yeah, slaughter this defenseless defenseless Nelwyn and this little baby, mm. right? <laughs> so now we have Mad Mardigan. We have, and by the way, sorry, one to mention. Uh, Razelle has now flown. Remember, she's a crow. Probably a good thing that she was turned to a crow because she was able to fly <laughs> True. And, and get to where they're at. So we have Razelle as a crow to guide them. And now we have the group traveling on. And this time, they have Sorsha. Here, Matt Morgan and Sorsha begin to actually fall in love. Not completely, though. She's still very conflicted, right? Mm-hmm. And she's actually able to escape the group. You know, she kind of like, I, I forget, she either kicks or elbows or yeah. headbutts Matt well, well, it's because she's confronting him about what he said. Right. And she is he visibly... He didn't remember it. No, and she's visibly bothered. She's like, uh, you said that you love me and that my beauty is blah, blah, blah. And she's holding him to task for this because she likes him. Yeah, she's like, like so what's wrong with... Like, basically, like, so what's wrong with me? You don't like... You didn't mean what you said? You were just trying to get out of there? And I was like... I mean, honey, yes, he probably was, but <laughs> but clearly, you know, he pierced her heart a little bit. Right. A she lot did, bit. Yeah, she is able to escape, though, and she actually buys them a little bit of time. She escapes and kind of, you know, that buys the rest of them time to get to Tirazlin, which is, again, the the, the main—once they met with Finn Rozelle, if you remember, we yes. have to kind of go back to what Cheryl Indra said, you have to take 
the baby to Fenrizel. And Which then, is apparently where they'll be safe. And then go to Tir Aislinn where they'll be safe. Yes. Where they get to Tir Aislinn. <laughs> and it is filled with people who have been cursed by Bavmorda. They're frozen. They're in like these blocks of like ice. Mm-hmm. Tir Aislinn is deserted as far as like any living people. Right. The people there, I'm assuming they're still alive, but they're like in these, I guess like catatonic states. They're, they're like frozen. Mm-hmm. Then turned to stone or whatever. A foreboding moment comes when Mad Mardigan steps in troll crap. <laughs> because we, so, so we know that that's going to come later. We know there's going to be some trolls. And um, Willow has said several times that trolls, like he hates them. Like right. That is his, that is not what he likes to deal with. Despite the grim outlook, Mad Mardigan finds a weapons keep and procures a suit of armor and a sword. And he, you know, this is the iconic black and gold armor that we see Mad Mardigan in. And that's kind of a moment when he like looks at the armor yeah, it's kind of hanging they up there. They kind of make it. They make it a poignant moment the way they film it. Yeah, so again, yeah, meant to see that that's important. Mad Mardigan is a big deal. We're gonna get. To, you know, I'm looking forward to getting to that. Uh, Willow attempts to change Rizel again and fails and <laughs> turns her into a goat. Oh. This is where we kind of get that Willow. Oh, you idiot! Yeah, I know. So she's went Sorry. from possum to crow to goat. Now the only people in Tiraslin, which. <laughs> Which really looks like just a castle. I mean, I yeah. guess it's a kingdom. It but... looks like the set of medieval times. Right. But, you know. It does for now. That's well, yeah. just the vibe. The only people at Tirazlene are Finn Rizel as a goat, Matt Mardigan, <laughs> Willow. Yeah, right. And, right. And lurking beneath. <laughs> and again, in hot pursuit is Kale and Sorsha and Nakmar. A conflicted Sorsha, mind you, but still. True. True. The Nakmar arrive and begin to break down the gates. And this is when another problem takes place. Trolls attack. And they're just like these furry, ugly things. Yeah, they look... They're like... It's obviously actors in like these hairy suits, but they have these really ugly looking... But they're gross, yeah. Yeah, They're not how I would have expected... Like, every time I've seen a troll depicted in, you know, movies, it has not ever been furry. I'll say that. They've always been reptilian or something. So this was the first, I mean, to me, it was maybe creative. I know it was the first time I'd ever seen it represented in this way. Right. Well, Willow is able to kill one with the wand. Like, he shoots it, and it, like, turns into this bloody blob thing. That was the worst thing that was in the movie. And he kicks it in the water. He kicks, like, the carcass into the water. Whether it was due to the wand or, I mean, if this is just what happens to trolls if they get wet. (laughs) <laughs> this massive two-headed, like fire-breathing monster arrives that has a very, um, very symbolic name, right, Jeff? What is it called? <laughs> well, um, what's the story behind it? Going going back to the critic thing, you know, Ron Howard uh, apparently just did not like critics. I think it might have actually been a combination of George Lucas and Ron Howard naming them this, but their name, the, the dragon's name is Ebersisk because it is a two-headed dragon named after. Roger Ebert and uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Roger Ebert and uh, uh, what, what, what's Gene, the Gene name? Siskel. Gene, Gene Siskel. Siskel. Thank you. Yeah, Gene Siskel. Yeah, and so if uh, all nineties kids know the... Siskel and Ebert. <laughs> yeah, right. They were the guys. Siskel and Ebert were the guys in like the eighties and nineties. I know. I, I know. Yeah. During that time, that they were the real authority on if movies were good or not. You know. If you, if you really wanted to follow the critics, then right. yeah, I actually were, watched it when I was a kid, like I was five or six years old watching. Yeah, I, yeah I liked their, I liked the show. I, I liked listening to them talk about films. They were great. Yeah, I mean, you didn't and, have yeah, to even, agree uh, with uh, Ebert, uh, Ebert and Roper when Roper. I, I watched it as well. So. 
Yeah, I thought it was good with Roper. Yeah. And I followed Roger Ebert long after, mm-hmm. you know, Siskel and Ebert. Roger Ebert was someone who I think was maybe a little more harsher. Maybe. I, I could be wrong. But he, I always aligned with Roger Ebert, actually, if you want to really get into film critics. like, um, And and, and I truly I, 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 I as tough as critics can be, and as funny as I think this is with the Ebert Sisk and Willow, uh, I do miss Roger Ebert's voice yeah. in the film industry. I, I you know, it, it was important nonetheless, right? Well, I guess despite yeah, there are, everyone's, there are. A, everyone's a critic now, so to have there were <laughs> oh, yeah. there were experts then, yeah. you know, so it was a different time. What were you saying, Jeff, about Ebert? I, I was just gonna say that, that there aren't any real like, you know, prominent critics out there that I would. That I even know of, you know what I mean? I, I can't no, no not like those guys. I, I would agree. No, because mostly it's just I liked this or I didn't. It's not really analyzing of the art of film and of and right. of acting and things like that. So, so getting back to this two-headed dragon, the Ebersisk, <laughs> it is obviously very bad. But the thing about the Ebersisk is th- this: this monster has no loyalties. It is killing whatever moves. <laughs> So while it's terrible, it serves a great diversion. Right. Because the Knockmore have to fight it as well. Uh, the monster eventually corners Willow, and this is where Mad Mardigan again shows uh, tremendous bravery. He attacks it, dealing it a death blow. Sorcia watches Mad Mardigan, apparently really impressed by him. She, she, she kind of like is not yeah, fighting at all. She's just staring at Mad Mardigan fight yep. for like 15 minutes. <laughs> she's like, okay, yeah. I think I'm into him for sure. When the monster throws Mad Mardigan off before it dies... They share a kiss. It's actually a, a pretty intense, like, on a battlefield. Yeah. And I was like, um, guys. <laughs> and this is when Eric's army arrives, the troops of Galadorn, uh, along with Rule and Frangines. But not before General Kale steals Elora. Because remember, Willow was fighting mm-hmm. the trolls and, and dealing with the dragon and all that before Mad Mardigan saved him. He had a lot him. going on. He had a lot going on. <laughs> and General Kale is able to overpower Willow, and he steals Elora Dannon. So... This is this is just very this grim. Grave news. This is and the I want to also um, just point out that like, Mad Mardigan gives a sword to Willow at some point. He's like, here, that's you know, right. that's right. And and then and Willow looks. Like, I mean, we don't see it. We we see it for a brief moment. Him charge at the soldiers, but he must have like been fighting, you know, pretty ferociously because he did fail, but he didn't die. He didn't get killed by the soldiers, which means he probably took out a few of them. That's awesome. You know? Yeah, and. While, I, didn't even, I didn't even consider that. Yeah, and and while this is grim, uh, Sorsha is able to bring us some hope. She defects, like, fully. Yeah. Like, after like, this sorry, moment, I'm, she I'm she actually realizes, I love Mad Mardigan. Mad Mardigan loves her. She joins Mad Mardigan and the group, uh, who, along with Will. So we have Sorsha, Mad Mardigan, Willow, the Brownies, Razelle, what's left of Galadorn under Eric. Yeah. And they decide to attempt to lay siege to Nakmar because that is where Kale and his troops took Alora Dannon back. We've got to get her. Yeah. So they're going to go, and they essentially get get there. They park outside the castle. They basically say, okay, we're here. We want the baby. Now we know that Bav Morda is going to put up quite a fight. In fact, she begins to prepare for the ritual. <laughs> so she prepares for this whole ritual that has to destroy that right. I guess the ritual is required a ritual that apparently lasts tw- like 12 to 16 hours right because they get to Nakmar that night or like or you know and she starts pretty much night. immediately she starts pretty much immediately and as the army and we're talking about Galadorn and Willow and Mad Mardigan the good guys as they're camped outside the castle Bad Morda 
Bavmorta takes a break to come outside and curse the army. Now, this is when I was a kid. This was actually the most disturbing part of the No, this was scary to me. Because Even as an adult, I was like, ugh. Bavmorta has a tremendous amount of power. Enough to turn hundreds of people into pigs. She just basically walks out there and looks. She's enraged that her daughter has defected and turned on her. And she just said, you're all pigs. Not that like she was helping by being horrible. And straight up turns the entire army, including Matt Mardigan, Sorsha, all of them, into actual pigs. And it's not like a snap and they're pigs. It's like you watch them change. That's what's scary to me. It was the metamorphosis of man to pig. Now, remember who's also there. Finn Rizel is there. She's a goat, and so is Willow. Willow is not affected because when Finn Rizel sees, essentially, Bavmorta come out, she's like, we need to, we need to like, protect ourselves. So uh, he's able to cast a spell of protection over himself and Finn Rizel, which is why he's not turned into a pig. But yeah. Matt Mardigan and the rest of our heroes are all turned into Yeah, because into we didn't know at pig. first, but she was like, get in here. And he was like, no. And she was like, you need to listen to me. You need to listen to me. And it's a good thing he did. It's, it's a good thing he didn't do the stuff. brave, rash thing and run out No, there. it was pretty freaky stuff, especially seeing like Matt Mardigan turn into one. It was a freaky. Yeah. And the, and, and the, the, the makeup was really impressive, like yeah. as they changed. And we haven't talked about... Bav Morta's like physical characteristics as much, but like when I was watching it, I mean, th- I think probably many of you who are listening have already seen it, but if you haven't, she is like a cross between the queen from Snow White, how she looked, yeah. and Maleficent. Right. And it's got, you know, very medieval, but she's yeah. got like horns, but then she's got the whole black neck thing like Snow White queen. And her body is in like these strips. Yeah, like, I was like, she like looks mummy. like a mummy. Why? And like, I, there's just, but it was, it was we really all have good. many questions, but like mm. she, she's definitely very like, when you look at her, you're like, Ooh, Disney witch. Like right. you're, you immediately know, but, but she's much bad worse, news bears. Right. And it looks like her condition is getting worse as the film goes on. You, you notice that? Like, yeah, like, maybe that's why she's like, wrapped up. Yeah. And it could be why she also needs to destroy the baby. It could, it could be all part of yeah, that. Like her life know? source is tied to the you baby know, the growing baby still, up or whatever yeah the the baby being born and 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 uh you know being protected of course um so no, you're right jeff though i hadn't i've i've forgotten she does kind of look worse and worse and worse so bavmorta has an issue now while she's cursed this entire army she's preoccupied the main focus is destroying Alora Dannon. So she throws this curse out and goes right back in and gets right back to work on this curse, which, again, goes throughout the night. Into the morning. Into the morning. So now Willow, after two unsuccessful tries to change Finn Rizel to her true form, is able to do it. Yes. He's he, able, I mean, he he does a couple other transformations yeah, I think beforehand. He's like an ostrich and a tiger at different points. Yes, and she's but, like, "Don't stop, keep trying." But Finn Rizel is not a beautiful young woman. No. What had happened was some time she, had passed. She didn't realize how much time had passed. Finn Rizel is a old woman. Yes, she's played by actress Patricia Hayes, excellent actress. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. But she is elderly, and she didn't realize it. She kind of looks at herself until she's like, oh. Yeah, because she, she's transformed, and she's, you know, she has no clothes on because obviously she's been an animal all these years. Right. And Sweet Willow just covers her right up, and he's so sweet and respectful. <laughs> Bavmorta cannot come out again. She's doing this ritual. So Roselle comes out now, 
She takes the wand. Now she's like, all right, step aside, Willow. Good job. Yeah. She <laughs> reverses the pig curse very quickly, turning everybody back to their original form. So now we have an army of men again. Mad Mardigan's back to Mad Mardigan. Sorsha's back to being Sorsha. And Willow actually devises a plan to storm the castle. And Eric's like, this is a peck. He's a farmer. He's a Nelwyn. Exactly. But they, again, they nothing needed is what a it seems, right? The next morning, Roselle and Willow call for Nakmar to surrender. Much to the amusement of General Kale, who orders the gates to be opened, as the soldiers ride out, Mamardigan, Sorsha, and Eric's army storm Nakmar and make it inside. Yes, because they've basically because the reason why he had used his farming expertise because they had they had um was it groundhogs? I'm that, not sure. It was some rodent that burrow. Right. Yes. And he was like, okay, well, we have this problem. They just come out of the ground. So ultimately his plan was they were going to make burrow holes, yeah. hide their horses, and like put their tents down. To like, make flattened. it seem like the pigs had le- like as pigs, I guess they had all yeah, left. Yeah, like it was all done. So they all actually came out of the burrows, and that was it was incredibly brilliant. Yeah, so because when the Nakmar troops look out, they just see Willow and Roselle. Yes. And probably thinking, oh, the pigs have wandered off. Yeah. That Bav Morta, you know, had, yeah, because they don't know, they didn't know until that moment that Finn Rizal was with, and them. then they just jump out and they storm Nakmar, and this is the the big climactic battle that is going to, you yeah. know, just define it, you know, decide it all, right, right. Bav Morta cannot assist. This is an advantage for our heroes. Bav Morta cannot assist the Nakmar army due to the ritual, which puts the Nakmar at quite the disadvantage. Sorsha. Leads Roselle and Willow into Bavmorta's chamber and interrupts the ritual. Sorsha dispatches Bavmorta's guards. She objects to Bavmorta's plan and is nearly killed until Roselle intervenes and engages Bavmorta in a sorceress duel again. Again, yeah, I said Toby. I was like, okay, this is definitely Gandalf versus the <laughs> Saruman, female version. You know? Yeah, the female version of that. Right? Abandoned reason for madness. which is way more brutal, by the way. <laughs> like they're yeah. punching oh. each other. I mean, that's it's... because girls fight. Uh-huh. Right, yeah. it's very true. It's it, yeah, with with Gandalf <laughs> and and Saruman, it was. With um, they were actually fighting with their staffs, and there's like twirling a little bit. Like, I mean, they were doing some damage, but it was all with these staffs. But this guy actually got into, you know, they were actually trading blows. With <laughs> yeah, their, it, they were putting their hands on each other, <laughs> throwing hands as our kids would say. As the battle for the castle ensues, Eric is killed by Kale. He attempts to fight Kale. He, even Jeff said he doesn't last long. You know, <laughs> all right. But we d- we we come to like Eric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, enra- it enrages Mad Mardigan. Well, the last thing he says to Mad Mardigan is actually really poignant. He says, win this war for me, which is what Mad Mardigan says, I'll win this war for you. But when they were, you know, when they really weren't getting along and Mad Mardigan was in the cage, he goes, give me a sword, I'll win this war for you. Now Mad Mardigan is in a place of honor. Yeah. He, he's, he's given his service. He's shown true bravery. He's now part of a good cause. And Eric says, win this war for me. And I think that's powerful, uh, you're just realizing that. Matt Mardigan was in no place to win the battle between good and evil until he was truly a man of honor, you know? Yeah, he was transformed. So Matt Mardigan, enraged, engages Kale in a duel and kills him. He has to stab him like six times. Remember that, Jeff? He like yeah. has to stab him like eight times. <laughs> he like, yeah, like at least like there's like five swords like in him. Like, and then he finally, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Remember he he tried to use like Eric's like weird like fist like weapon sword and yeah, it like I don't did know. not work at all. Like, why did I do that? Like <laughs> throws it away. Like 
Gets a the real sword. Made. <laughs> yeah, he has to stab Kale like five or six times to get him. It seems. Sheesh. I'm exaggerating. Kale is, but, no, but Kale didn't go down easily. Is Kale is Skeletor one. Mask, right? Yeah, Skeletor I've Mask. Always, I always blank out on his name, but I'm always like, hey, Skeletor. Like That's just how I call him. <laughs> Skeletor is much cooler. No, Skeletor's way cooler. Like, forget but, it. But, you know. But he had a pretty cool mask, yeah. this the, guy. Yeah, the Sorceress Duel continues. So we we have scored a major victory. We've, we've lost someone. We lost Eric, but we've also... We, we've defeated General Kale. He's dead. And the Sorceress Duel continues with Rizelle scoring excellent straight rights on Bavlor. <laughs> I mean, she decks her. She, and I was like, Toby, that is a right freaking hook. Yeah, she, like, she's yeah. just punching the crap out of she her. She decks Bavmorta. However, Bavmorta is able to overpower her. She fell for the classic thing, uh, Jeff, like from Army of Darkness. Like, Bavmorta's laying there, and Rizelle walks up oh, to her. Oh, God, I know. And you never do that. Remember that, Jeff? He's like, hey, it's a trap. Remember that, Jeff? Yeah, you know, it's a trap. Get an axe. <laughs> What does he say? He's like, remember, like the guy was like going to like touch the witch, and he's like he grabs his hand. Like, it's a trick. Get an axe. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. get an axe. <laughs> it's true. That's what happens. They it's jump true. up. You never do that. When you have the bad guy down, you just stay back and you know. Maybe like just stab him one more time. Yeah, stay back <laughs> and 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 take shots at the at the evil bad guy. But don't do like the symbolic stairs above and their walk body. up to them and get no. close where they can. Well, this is exactly what happens, which is why Bavmorda is able to eventually, you know, get the jump on Rizelle and overpower her. Willow attempts to take Alora, and to do so, has to face Bavmorda on his own. After a failed attempt to turn her to stone with one of his little green acorns, which he's not really done anything with, he's dropped them and fumbled with them. I know, He actually throws one at her, and she catches it and is able to reverse its effects. Uh, You know. It's actually... Again, not real magic Willow uses to defeat Bavmorda, but actually just simply being more clever. He uses one of his sleight of hand tricks that he would use back when he would, you know. Ironically, his pig trick. Yeah, it was his disappearing pig trick that actually didn't work at the festival at the beginning. Yeah. Before things got really bad and really dark. He makes Alora quote-unquote, disappear. Bavmorda is enraged. Yep. She truly believes that Willow has used magic to make a lord disappear yeah because he she, says i'm gonna put her somewhere you'll never find her where she'll be safe right and she, she raised yeah and Bavmorta raises the wand of Rozelle. she she gets Rozelle's wand prepared to deal this death blow and she speaks part of this incantation from the ritual it's actually the last words of the incantation oh i didn't know that she's been saying all this crazy stuff during the ritual i didn't but out of her rage, she says the last words of the incantation, which causes lightning to come down and strike her. Yeah, it strikes the wand. It strikes the wand, which she's holding. It obliterates her. And Bavmorda is, yes, toast. Gone. Literally. That is the end of all of the major threats, of course, you know. I mean, Bavmorda. I know what's crazy in the end is that they didn't defeat her. She did it herself. She did it herself, yeah. She, her own hatred, her own, like... Yep. You know, badness, it it destroyed her, which because is Willow, obviously a great, you know, I guess. Message. And I think that was so cool, you know, yeah. that Willow aspired to be a sorcerer, but what he used to defeat a great sorceress wasn't even real magic. It was just being smart and being able to be brave and actually face her and face certain death, but to be able to think on his heels, you know. And maybe that's the true magic. I think so. <laughs> Sorry. And Jeff, I just want to say before we even get to the the final scenes of Willow, because that's what's coming up, sadly, uh, I is I noticed that this wrapped up very quickly, much like 
I remember the end of Return of the Jedi. You know, uh, I don't know what it is with, with George Lucas, and, you know, it just seems that, you know, your characters go through such a journey, and I feel like the end, you, you want to know what I think, and, and maybe Jeff will agree with me, uh, maybe you'll agree with me, Brooke. <clears throat> the film that did such a great job actually closing the chapter of the journey of its characters was, was Return of the King. Remember, Jeff, how many times people would get up in the theater and try to leave, <laughs> and it wasn't the yeah. end yet? Remember, Jeff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it, but, it would, oh, it had like five false endings. But the characters deserved those no, kind yeah. of endings, yeah. you know? But Jeff, we'd be sitting there, and Jeff's like, up, oh, watch, they're going to get up. And it goes dark, <laughs> people are getting up. And then it comes back, and you know, They're like, oh. and then it was like, I, I think it was like, okay, like the the Gray Havens, and then uh, you know, Willow, I mean not Willow, dang it, Frodo went off, <laughs> and and then it went, and, went, and then now was everyone's like, okay, it's over, let's go, and like they're getting up, and then all of a sudden you see Sam coming back, yeah, and, right. and they're like, what is going on? Well, people start getting up at the Eagles in my theater when I, when I would see it, like when they picked him up from Mordor, and you see Frodo like, ah, and they're like, oh, this yeah. is it, nope. Four more times that happened. <laughs> and Four when more I, times. Now, obviously Willow was not... It's not near as epic. Not near as epic as far as length and the number of characters and things like that. We're but, also not relying on a book and to, no, to you know, finish those I things. just... When I go on a journey with characters, to wrap it up in like one minute is... I I don't think that's enough. Well, I, yeah. Because I'd come to love Willow and Matt Mardigan and Sorsha and all them and... And I, I just would have liked to have had maybe an ending sequence and not just an ending scene. A sequence is a group of scenes, you know, which is what Return of the King did. They did it. Yeah. Th- th- there's a whole sequence dedicated to closing this, this, th- this massive story. And Willow's a fairly big story still, even though it's one film. No, it is. So. No, we recently watched a show right. that ended that way. And we were like, right. wait a minute. Let's give the ending some room. So give it some room. I think that's yeah, probably our one. It. Maybe that was probably our one critique of the. But movie. if I could go in a longer ending. <laughs> right. But if I could go into another universe briefly, Star Wars. I mean, after everything that Luke and Leia and Han and Lando and all them and we we we've seen this massive journey, completed story arcs, great characters and what we get is an Ewok party, which is fine, but there's no dialogue. It's just music and bye. What what did you think of that? Everyone's I mean, smiling I know at each other, you know. It's like What'd you say? And everyone's just smiling at each other, you know, and stuff like that and celebrating. But it's like, yeah, you don't. It didn't fit. You don't get a sense of, like, what's next for these people. Like, you know. And I think is, that that's what, that's how I feel story should end. A, a, a sense of what's next for these people. But what we get with Willow, which I think may, might be, as Brooke said, I think maybe our one critique is maybe just how it's like they, 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 they roll out really a beautiful story. And then they, just, they tie such a quick <laughs> shoestring bow. Yeah. Uh, back at a restored Tirazlene, Willow is honored and given a book of magic by Rizel. He's going to actually begin learning true magic, which is what he's wanted from the first of the movie. He wanted to learn. To, he wanted to be the apprentice of a sorcerer, right? And to really learn to be one. And now he's going to begin that journey. Which okay, so so we get a little bit of what's next, but still, it was just it's so just quick. Fast. It was that's just all. here's it's this fast. book of magic, Willow. You know. Yeah, I'm gonna wrap up my line. Yeah, but like, because it's ending. <laughs> It is like Mad Mardigan and Sorsha, the new king and queen. Like, what's that, going on? Right. You know? Well, I they think They don't that tell us that, but we the, have to assume We it. have to assume that because in the beginning, Sherylindria says, we must get Elordan to Tirazlene, where she will be raised by a good king and queen. And that is, again, 
where we get to finally say Matt Mardigan was not just important. He was crucially, majorly important. He is not just meant to regain his honor as a knight. He is destined to be a king. Right, because her mother was the queen. Right. She is now dead. That makes right. Sorsha next in line, and therefore she's marrying him. Right. So, so with Bavmorda dead, Sorsha is queen, which will make Matt Mardigan a king, and they would they, they and, and you get the sense, again, connecting it from what you heard earlier, that they're going to reign from Tirasleen. Alora Dannon is left by Willow under their care. Yeah. Fulfilling the prophecy. And again, I wanted to see more of a farewell from uh, between Matt Mardigan and Willow. You know, he just he picks Willow up, he sets him on the horse, he they share a, a really sweet smile at each other, and then he just hits the horse, and the horse rides off after you know a, after Willow bids Matt Mardigan and his friends farewell. You know, Matt Mardigan just kind of pops the horse, yeah, and it rides off. And I was like, they should have hugged. I know, but again, we've talked about this with Lucas without getting no, too, he's not, yeah. Without getting too heavy-handed with with um, criticisms, just that emotion. Yeah, he he doesn't do well with directing that emotion. I well, mean, even though Ron Howard's Ron Howard. directed, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, but true. Sorry, it's I don't Ron know. Howard, but this is George Lucas's story, right? Yeah. I mean, Jeff, do you see what I'm saying, though, man? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I mean, I, it's a common uh, theme in his movies <laughs> with yeah. with Lucas's stories, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because Ron Howard. I mean, Ron Howard's phenomenal. Forget it. Because like, we talked about it, like, like uh, how uh, episode one, you know, how many <laughs> how many things happened at the end, you know, consecutive, you know, consecutively. It's like, and what, what was it like in ninety seconds? You have like Darth Maul defeated, the reactor core exploded, and you know, like it's like too much. <laughs> yeah, and, and we're not making that up. I mean, we saw a video. There's a video mm-hmm. of George Lucas and what we're referring to is there it's a YouTube video. And again, we're Star Wars fans. We love Star Wars. Right. But, but but I mean, you know, we're not Nothing's perfect. We have look, listen to the Star Wars episode 1 two-part. We loved Star Wars and we loved things in the in in the prequels, so we are fans. But 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 there were things. Yeah. And and there is actually a YouTube video floating around out there of of Lucas and and the producers and the main players in the produ- in, in the production department. They're watching uh, the, the 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 first draft of Episode One, and it's not one hundred. It's I don't even say one hundred percent positive. It's not positive at all. They're kind of like uh. And they're like we might have messed up. One of the editors, I think it's the editor that says in ninety seconds we go from the death of a main, a main character to a joke by Jar Jar to yeah. an escape to, and it's just, you know, and that, 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 that is, that does seem to be a common thread with Lucas. You need and, and, time to process this stuff, you know? Right. Yes. Right. The audience needs a minute to like sit with it. And you might be thinking, you know, listeners who we very much appreciate you taking the time to listen to the tape store podcast. Oh, your time's valuable. We always like to say that, but you might be thinking, what does this have to do with Willow? But again, what we're getting back to is a, a kind of a common strain we see in, in Lucas's stories, which is, you know, I think that depth of emotion that I think is very necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, His to- stories are much more plot driven. They're not as much character driven. I've said that before, but, um, when your story is character driven, you're you're following what your character is feeling, right. and going through, and experiencing. And when it's plot driven, you need the next piece of action to carry the story along. Yeah. And that's just how Lucas writes. That's fine. There's nothing wrong it with it. That way, yeah. But it is a thing. Well, 
we do get some emotion. Yes, we, we, we got we got a few more seconds, and and which does make me and Brooke uh, get emotional. I mean, I cried at the end. Yes, Willow did. returns to his village and gets a hero's welcome. And when Willow rides into the village, there is Kaya and his sweet babies, and his sweet babies, and they run to each other. And Kaya and her little short hair because she her cut off her short, hair yeah. for him to have good luck. Charm. Yeah, she gave him her braid to keep it's too her good much. luck. Oh gosh, and I'm getting a little watery eyed. <laughs> it is just so sweet them two so you get that i just would like for to, to i love platonic relationships between like characters and films i would have loved to have yeah, seen we don't see him enough matt Morgan and willow kind of share a really cool moment a hug or something um he sees kaya and his children they embrace i remember how, how depressed kaya looked before she saw willow she was just kind of walking like i know yes. she, just, she loves her like, babe. defeated because this yeah. was again even though she didn't see what Willow went through, you know, when 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 you're married and when you're when you have that kind of relationship with someone, you can sense, I think, the intensity of situations. And she may well have known, you know, like this is more than just taking a baby to a daikini. This is this is serious. Yeah, and she was and she was missing her partner in daily life. Like she said, you know, we've never been apart. Like they do yeah. life together. That was tough. It was tough times for her as well. Definitely. But it's so sweet when they. And then we get, yeah. And then, of course, let's not forget James Horner is the uh, composer of this film score. And the music ends with a very upbeat, that sweet uh, Nelwyn Festival music, which is really, really good. And and, and it's a great bookmark, uh, not a great bookmark, excuse me, a great bookend Mm -hmm. to end it with. Again, I just, when I think about the end, I'm like, oh, it ended too fast. Like, again, like you said, Jeff, give us time to really, you know, say farewell to these characters. Um, and that leads us to, again, all is well. Now, we talked uh, in, in part one about how big is the Willow story, actually. Mm-hmm. Well, there actually is uh, a continuation of Willow, and it's in um, novel format. Yes. Uh, there, there, were, there were, I believe, three books, was it, that I were written? so, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel, uh, say? Marvel Comics uh, produced them, I believe, or Chris wow. Chris Claremont. Uh, Cla- yeah, sorry. yeah, here Chris we Claremont go. Wrote That's it, cool. and um, yes, yeah. uh, Chris Claremont. Actually, because Lucas said that uh, Willow was part of what he called the Chronicles of the Shadow War, and there are three books that continue the the story of Willow and the world of Anduin. There's Shadow Moon, Shadow Dawn, and Shadow Star, which I don't want to look too much into because I want to read these. And these were uh, Shadow Moon was in '95, Shadow Dawn was in '96, and Shadow Star was in 2000 by, as you said, Chris Claremont, working with George Lucas. So this is oh, legit. Okay. This is legit. It's so it's, it's it's canon. It is canon. Yeah, and they've talked about making a sequel. I know that they. I mean, it's still no like. Uh, Actually, and that's that's the other thing I was gonna say, Jeff, because um, Willow uh, Willow sequel will be on Disney Plus. Oh my gracious! That's what they're saying. Willow series oh, a, possi- okay. a possibility for Disney Plus. Yes. They so, finally get Val uh, Kilmer off his butt. <laughs> I think I that know. was a little know, holding yeah. it up, right? All these years or something. I don't like, know what he's up to, but golly, I mean, he's played some such he's played such fantastic roles and. You know, I know he's older, but would love to see him again. You know, you put Sheesh. Val Kilmer's the kind of guy you put him in the right role. Oh, he's he, great. He's excellent. So, it, I mean, I, my, my guess would be it, it would probably be um, following the the third book, right? 
because lot, presumably yeah. these these books took place shortly after Willow, and you can't have like a a fifty-seven-year-old, you know, Mad Morgan yeah. suddenly right. Um, well, golly, that's a good question. How old is Val Kilmer? I don't know, but like, let's look. It, it you know, it's 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 why like we should have gotten you know episodes seven, eight, and nine sooner. Yeah, right. Now you know, we would have had three completely different movies. Not that those movies aren't good, but you know, yeah, you know yeah. Like, right, yeah. Val Kilmer. I don't know if you heard. He's sixty. So he's sixty. So. More yeah, too far. sixty years old. It's <laughs> wow, crazy. I, I just cannot believe. Yeah, where is where has time gone? Right. Sheesh. Do we have um, final thoughts for Willow before um, we... anyone? Just well, I, that... I, go ahead, Jeff. I was. Uh, I just love you know how you know that that what what I really got from Willow was how how much change these characters went through. You know, like how Willow was a you know I, basically the everyman. I, I think. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people can relate to Willow. He's a, he's a hardworking guy. He's got you know he's got kids, a wife. You know he's trying right. to provide for. He's got burgle cut breathing down his neck. You know we've all got that boss yeah, or that so person in our life that like you know keeps us up at night. Sometimes you know and and like he he, want, he wanted more. He he wanted to mm. you know be something else and lack you know I think a lot everyone I think to some degree lacks faith yeah. in themselves. You know and. And so that that was great seeing him transform into into or at least you know set on his way to becoming what he wanted. And same thing yeah. with Mad Mardigan and Sorsha. They all went through dramatic changes throughout this this movie. And I think that's that's the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I I think that that connects with what uh, Brooke had said after we watched the film. Which was, you know, last oh, week. Oh, yeah. That's what I was like. I was uh, and and just to remind you, because we went outside and was hanging out on the porch, you know, and we kind of discussed it, and it kind of, it kind of gets gets us into the into the frame of mind of thinking about the message. Like we always like to talk mm-hmm. about a message, and and I think what Jeff said connects to with what you said, Brooke, which was you you said that this was about potential. Yeah, I think um, the prophecy itself, it, it like you said, it does connect to what Jeff said because the prophecy itself was not even in existence yet. I mean, yes, no prophecy is, but it w- but usually if you're going to give a prophecy, you say, ah, you're going to go to this mountain. Well, the mountain's already there. Right. But in this case, he said, you're going to, she said, you're going to bring, you know, this baby. Who Cheryl Andrews pre- yeah, said she, this, right? And, yeah. And it's going to go to a king and queen that will take care of it. So and, we're thinking there's a king and queen ready. Right. right. And this is why we talked about like, oh, the love, you know, the love dust being you know, part of destiny because it was a vehicle for them to realize they did love each other. They do marry and she does, they do defeat Bath Morta and they do become king and queen. And they were both wildly different, like you said, Jeff, um, before this. So this prophecy was all about seeing people for what they will be, not, not necessarily yeah. what they are right now. Right. And that's like a message for all of us, I guess, because you may feel like, well, I'm not really anybody. Yeah, but you, that might not be where you stay. Right. And I so, think, it, you know, it's, yeah, an, it's, it's very, very encouraging, especially in these, you know, times right now. And it's powerful when I think the fates that be in these stories treat characters like they are what they will be. Yeah. According to their potential you know. and not according to how the character views himself or herself right, in that moment before they've reached that potential. Yeah. yeah. So there's so moving. Yeah. I love it. Good stuff. Well, this has been great. Um, we love Willow. Would love to have a reason to talk about Willow again. I know. You know, <laughs> it, even though knows? we spent two weeks on it. So Jeff, always good to have you. Yes. 
Always. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Always yeah, and out. I'm sure as soon as we press the stop button, it'll be, okay, so when are we going to have you back on? We're going <laughs> to yes. talk about next. Uh, there is, but but this is this was really special because when, you know, this quarantine time, which again, we hope everybody's staying safe and stuff and, you know, taking care of each other. But the, the fact of the matter is uh, we've had a lot of time you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're teachers, me and Brooke are. Yeah, so and March 13th, we, and we yeah, were out. <laughs> but so, so it has upended our schedule, but it has allowed, you know, us to reconnect with Jeff. And one of the first things we talked about when I was like, hey, why, why don't you, you know, jump on the podcast, man? And mm. uh, one of the first movies was, have you guys done Willow yet? <laughs> <laughs> so I love that this is now immortalized. Yeah, this, this it's quarantine great. reconnection time. So let's close down the tape store for the week. Always a sad time, but not really because we are always active, always out there, ever vigilant. <laughs> ever vigilant. And we'll be back next week for more great 80s and 90s nostalgia. And if you've been with us, uh, as always, any amount of time that you have spent listening to the discussion, we appreciate your time. It's valuable. And. We just uh, are, are honored and humbled that you stopped by our little podcast to, um, you know, to lend an ear and hopefully laugh a little bit. And hopefully, above all, we, we just want to reawaken that magic of a time which I think has not been, been replicated and I don't think really can be. And that's the 80s and the 90s. It's mm-hmm. just a great time. So follow us on Instagram. Yes. Uh, give us a rating. If you like what you hear, give us a rating. We'd love that. That, that you know, that helps us out. Yes. You know. But we're having fun. We're having a good time, right? <laughs> Until we see you next time, we're going to close it down. This is Toby. This is Brooke. And this is Jeff. Farewell, everyone. See ya.